It's the Paul's Picks Podcast. I'm David Schellenberg. Hello, Paul. Hello, David. How's it going? Hot. Hot. Uh, Summer is on in Ottawa. I'm not complaining. No. But it's hot. You know, no, the worst is when people complain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like normally you pay for this sort of stuff, but uh, you're getting it all for free. So what's on your mind? Well, I'm thinking, given that it's so hot. Yeah. Um, and maybe, yeah, not really in the mood to cook. No, I know I don't. I, I really, I, I love cooking. Yes, I, 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 I love cooking. Like my favorite time of year is the fall, right? Because the crock pots come out. You know, the, all the goody goody good stuff, the goody the, good, the gravies <laughs> and the goody goody good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, summertime. I have to admit, you know what? When you've been struggling with heat all day long, yeah, it, it does kind of you get lazy. You do. You get lazy. You know, I totally get why lions sleep as much as they do in the Serengeti. <laughs> I, I get it now. I get it. Well, I, and why is a proper siesta is so important in so many cultures. <laughs> and they know how to do it they right. Do. Um, so I'm thinking, you know what? We're going to, we're going to take you through just some takeout food yep. and some really nice wines to go uh, with it. Why not? Let's 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 class it up a little bit and see what kind of reaction we get. I mean, do we need do you need to have a very expensive dinner no. with an expensive wine? Well, and what can wines do to just simple foods or simple foods do to wine? Because yeah. I, I think sometimes you've gone out and you've bought in a beautiful bottle. Yeah. And you've you've heard, you know, weirdos on podcasts and magazines talk about how good it is. And then you there's weirdos on podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, and then you you want to make your wine better. And little did you know, you can just order a pizza from the little place around the block. Yeah. And the pizza will make your wine better. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. And so, then, what are the wines we're trying? So, we're going to do, um, let's see, we're going to do a Laurent Perrier Brut Classic Rosé Champagne. Okay. We're going to start off with that. That little puppy has set you back about $90 to $100 a bottle. Wow. Yeah. And then after that, we're going to go into something um, a little bit more economical. Yeah. So, we're just going to do a nice Citro or Citra, excuse me, Pinot Grigio. Yep. Okay, that one, that's way more affordable. That's around the $10. We'll call that the palate cleanser <laughs> wine. Okay. All right. And last but not least, um, a perennial favorite of yeah. mine, yeah. of a lot of people, a beautiful Chateau Neuf du Pape. Now, I just realized... We haven't decanted our Chateau Neuf de Pop. We haven't, but by the time we <laughs> do our thing, uh, it'll be decanted. It'll be fine. Oh, okay, I was just like, should I go get a decanter or at least open this thing up and let it breathe? Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we'll open it up. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what's the first one we're trying? So the before food. Before so, food. So we'll try this before and after food and see what happens. Okay. Yeah. So the first one we're having is our Laurent Perrier Brut Rosé Champagne. Yeah. Uh, Laurent Perrier's a house. That's been around the Champagne region for, oh my God, a, a very, very, very long time. Now, why I like this particular one, first of all, rosé champagnes for me um, are very undervalued and they're often overlooked. Well, I didn't know, honestly, rosé champagnes were a thing until you brought in this bottle. Yeah. Like, what on earth is a rosé champagne? Yeah, and, and and that's exactly my point where a lot of people kind of, well, first of all, there's a stigmata. If it's rosé, it's sweet. Yes. Right? Not the case with this. No. At all. Uh, we're trying it right now. The nose on it, fantastic rhubarb. 
cherry bread, uh, you know, some of the typical things you you would expect from a champagne. And this is a champagne. Uh, Interesting enough, too, this particular champagne that we're trying, 100% Pinot Noir. Ah. It's made with Pinot Noir and only Pinot Noir. Whereas other champagne, in champagne, I should say, they can use uh, Chardonnay, which is usually the main base of of grape that they use. Uh, Then they blend in Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier, which are both red grapes. Great. Uh, This one's 100% red grape. Wow. Now, when we're looking at the color, it's sort of a light salmon yeah, color. yeah, yeah. Beautiful color. Uh, again, the nose, as I was saying, nice rhubarb. Uh, you mentioned uh, bread. Yes. Brioche bread. Which is what I always get in any champagne. Yep. I mean, you, you on, on the nose, you get this, this smell that you've just walked into a bakery or mm-hmm. somebody's been busy in the kitchen baking bread. And, and then you take a sip of it and it disappears. This is happy bread. <laughs> <laughs> this is the type of bread that makes you happy. Um and on the palate, what I like on the palate with all champagne, and I am a huge sparkling wine slash champagne person. Yeah. Um, I love that it's got a, 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 yes, there's a sparkle to it. Yes, there's acidity to it as well. But at the same time, because of the way it's made, you get a bit of a creamy mouth coating feel. Yes. Yeah. 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 You, you, you get the, the tingle yep. with yep. any bubbly. It doesn't matter if it's boozing it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, almost like a brie kind of feel in the mouth. I've always found champagnes or really good sparkling wines from nose to finish it's like a ladder. There's different stages that you go through. Um, and this is a perfect example of that. The finish is crisp, obviously, yeah. because of the bubble and the acidity. Uh, but all the flavors are there. Like, I'm really anxious to see now what food is going to do to this. Because I've had, uh, just to let, let people know, I was once served a brute champagne with rack of lamb. Right. And it was one of the best pairings I've ever ever had in my life right. all the stuff i've tried that was that sticks with me now and that was well over 20 years ago i can still taste <laughs> it, can still taste it. <laughs> so what what food are we going to try this with in a bit i think we're going to try this with uh, uh i think we're going to try it with a meat lover's pizza <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah a hundred dollar champagne yeah. with a meat lover's pizza with a meat lover's pizza we have wings as well that we're going to be trying later um, because I'm, I'm going to guess, well, we're going to try it anyway, but yeah. the sweetness of the wing because of the sauce we have in the mesquite, I have a feeling it's going to kill uh, the champagne. That's why oh, I'm kind of leaving that yeah. with the Chateau Neuf du Pap. Yes, yeah. yes, for sure. And and we got to admit, the pizza that we're ordering it from is not from a classy pizza place. No. It's from the mega chain pizza place, yeah. which is cheap. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's the college starter pizza place, right? I mean, <laughs> it's the stuff that people have literally built furniture out of the empty boxes. <laughs> and uh, what's wine number two? So, wine number two yep. is the Citra Pinot Grigio from Italy. Ah, classy. Yeah, well, summary. <laughs> okay, summary. We'll say summary. Well, at least the title sounds classy. Now, this one... Yeah. First of all, um, very rarely you're ever going to see any oak aging with Pinot Grigios. It's mm. stainless steel pretty much is the, the benchmark. So for those of you who don't like the vanilla oaky style, here's a great variety and a style of wine that you should be looking at. Okay. Um, I think personally, 
definitely a wine that was built for summer. Right. Light. Yes. Fruity. Yep. Little bit of acidity. Dry. There is a bit of acidity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing overly assuming in the wine on the nose. Uh, found a little, we both, I think, found a little petrol to it. Initially, Initially yeah, on yeah. the nose, and, and the first sip was really petroly. And then kind of went away. <laughs> I wonder where it went. It's I don't like, know where it went. I lost my gas tank somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Time to fill her up. Yeah. Um, yeah, on the palate, I'm sorry, on the nose, um, a little floral, nothing, you know, over in overabundance, a little citrusy, yep. but again, nothing too, too crazy. Well, and it, it's, when I think about through the, the whites and stuff, there's the Chardonnays, which are just like sweet. Yeah. And I guess they're nice on a hot summer day, but I don't know. I hard, don't, it, they're hard to... Yeah, kind of get down like you're really, really, literally sipping slowly at those wines. Well, and and I a weird sort of thing like I find Chardonnays are almost like a fall wine when you want something just a little more hearty. But but yeah, there's nothing really outst- outstanding about this. So is this a typical Pinot Grigio yeah. or is there okay? Yeah, typical Pinot Grigio. One of the most uh, white planted varieties in the world. Yeah, um, easy easy to grow easy to produce, uh, and they are what they are, right? Um, That's a style of wine. The style we're trying, the Citra, is just a style that it's crowd-pleasing. It's good on its own. And it's not going to add really anything to food, but it'll go with basically everything. With everything. Yeah. And, And how much for this bottle? $9.95. $9.95. So under 10 bucks. And if this is truly a a typical Pinot Grigio, why would you ever spend more? I don't think you should. Uh. I've seen, I've seen vintage Pinots at um, $23 where the wine producer decided to put them in oak barrel. And to me, it discredits what the grape is. Uh, You're trying to turn it into something. It's really not, Yeah, you know? Uh, So Pinot Grigios expect to pay for you know a fairly decent one anywhere from 10 to 15 dollars a bottle and you're getting a really nice summer wine beauty so that was the first couple of wines uh the food is here pizza and chicken wings are here and we're going to try that in a bit but uh what's the third wine we're trying so the third wine is la fiole du pape which is a chateau neuf du pape you'll you'll know the bottle it's that crazy crooked sandy bottle dusty yeah which I, I mean, okay, cut I think you could cut down the marketing just a little bit because it doesn't need to be dusty. But no, I, I mean, I think for I'm going to say the more novice wine drinker, yeah, um, you're going to look at that packaging and think, hmm, that must be you know old, old and fancy, and this is I guess what we're buying Uncle Bob, yep. for his birthday. Um, Let's talk about the wine that's inside. Yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chateauneuf de Pops, we... One of the things that fascinates me about Chateauneuf de Pops is when you see it in movies and stuff and they talk about different years. It's like, yeah. oh, the 1945 yeah. is so much better than the 1947. Yeah. Uh, it actually makes a huge difference with Absolutely. these wines. Absolutely. So um, that's a great question because it, it comes up all the time in all kinds of circles. It does not matter much on an Ontario wine. Well, it can. It, uh, it, it depends where a, a year is going to be important in a wine is the, 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 uh, the qualification that the wine is going for. In other words, if we'll use something very basic, like let's say Cressman, Cressman yeah. red and white, which 
pretty it's a much wine company. Yeah, yeah, it's a French red and white that's kind of a staple at a lot of restaurants. They use it as their house wine. Yeah, it comes in like a liter and a half size. From year to year, it is going to consistently taste the same. Right. Why? Because they can do pretty much anything they want to do to make sure that it stays consistent to tasting the same yeah. year after year after year. Yeah. But, but if you're going into hot, higher qualifications that you want for your wine, your status of wine, so a bottle of Crispin is about eight bucks a bottle. Yeah. Chateau Neuf Zupap can go up to 180. Right. Okay. When you do a Chateau Neuf Zupap, as an example, where you're going for a certain qualification, a certain region, and a certain year, yeah. the winemaker is then restricted, ah. cannot add certain things, cannot do certain things, must age for a certain amount of time, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, if in, we'll use an example, like for example, in 2000, which was a banner year for French wine mm -hmm. across the board, mm -hmm. they had ideal conditions. 2002 was a bust. So if we tried this Fjolds Pap 2000 up mm. against a 2002, the difference would be remarkable. Right. It would also, for those of you who want to age your wines, years are extremely important. Ah. Okay. So let's say you're a fan of, we're going to take a, a random chateau, let's say uh, a Bordeaux, something like uh, Leoville Lascaux, so yeah, a very yeah. famous chateau. Right. Well, if you're someone that's buying a case of that every year, regardless of what type of year it was, and mm -hmm. I, I know people that do, you're going to notice, for example, certain years will be drunk earlier than other years. So in an exceptional year like 2000, the wine could go 20, 25, maybe 30 years plus right. because the conditions were ideal. But then in 2002, where the grapes didn't re achieve their potential, those wines have to be drunk before maybe 10 years because the wines will go bad. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, and I wonder why a grape would go bad on a good year versus a bad year. If it doesn't achieve its potential. Yeah. Right? So... Reds are easier to describe because reds are more apt to be aged. Sure. In a good year, for example, for a Cabernet Sauvignon grape, yeah. where it achieves its ultimate ripeness, it means that the skins are as thick as they can possibly get. The pulp to sugar to skin ratio is perfect. Yep. The tannins that they'll extract out of that compared to a crappy year might be twice the amount. And tannin is the age that it, it, that's what preserves the wine. Sure. So you get twice as much preservative in a bottle yeah. on a good year than you would in a uh, not so good year. Okay, so that's yeah. the science behind it. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. All right, so what do you get under the nose on this one? Uh, a multitude of things. <laughs> yes. I'm smelling, for me, right off the bat, I'm getting like Christmas cake. I'm getting clove. I'm getting something sweet like molasses. Yep. I'm getting pepper. Yes, I'm getting licorice. Just a ton. Blackberry, blueberry. Yep. Oh. And, and part of the, the story of these classic French wines is the complexity mm -hmm. in that you do have a big, long list of things. You don't stick your nose in it and just go, oh, cherries, and be done with it. Mm -hmm. you, you, the more you smell and the more it sits, the more you get out of it. The longer 
your wine is exposed to air yeah. for this style anyway you go back to it make tasting notes and I guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee you'll find different things almost every time oh yeah i think even between like the first sip and the fifth sip you'll find different things now on the palate yeah wow uh i'm gonna use aggressive as it's my first term like this really takes your palate over big time the pepper uh, the acidity, the tannin is all right at the forefront there. Mm -hmm. um, but after you swallow, that's when I found the fruit and stuff came back. Not initially. No. Initially, it was action reaction on the palate. It was it was what's going on, as opposed to what am I really tasting here? Right. 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 I get a mouth warming thing, a throat coating thing. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I feel like someone needs to take my f temperature because it's like I've got a sore throat almost. Like my throat is so warm. 14.7% alcohol. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, now, what is a Chateau Neuf de Pop? It is a blend. So, Chateau Neuf de Pop, uh, to break it down super easy, is first of all, it's named because it's a region. That's yes. the name of the region, right? It's in the Rhone Valley yeah. in France, which is in the southern part. Yeah. Um, and Chateau Neuf de Pape is reds are can be a blended wine. If memory serves correctly, they are now allowed to use up to 17 different grapes. 17. Um, and some, some vintners do that, and that is including white grape, not just red. Right. The principal two grapes that Chateau Neuf de Pape is made with is Syrah, or Shiraz if you prefer, yeah. and Grenache. Okay. Those are the two heavy hitters for the reds. Right. Um, white is the same thing. They're blended. Yeah. They're blended whites. Um, kind of rare. Yeah. You don't see a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say it's for a sophisticated or a distinct palate. They don't taste. I can't tell you, well, it's sort of like a Chardonnay or it's kind of like a Riesling. It, it's its own beast. Right. It's it's made with two principal grapes. One's called Marsan, the other called Roussan, which is hardly grown anywhere else but Chateau neuf de Pape or the, I should, I should say, blah, 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 I should say, the southern part of uh, the of France, um, and it's very distinctive. I find the best descriptor if hay, okay, very weedy, yeah, almost um, beer like, ah, like not not an IPA, <laughs> <laughs> more uh, of like a, a whole garden. Yeah. Or an ale the very, style. The, yeah, the wheat. Weedy, yeah. weedy style. Um, now, on this, on the, the finish of this wine is just something incredible. I mean, it's it's multi-layered. It goes on forever. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get a wine like this, and I almost don't want to go with anything for food. We're going to. Yes. But, but it's it, it just so complex and it's got so much going on that if you're really a wine aficionado, you could just appreciate it for what it is. Sure. A, a glass of this and looking out the window when it's raining. <laughs> That's, it. <laughs> That's it. Now, if a Chateau Neuf de Pop is, is a blend of up to 17 different grapes they can work with, yeah. like, uh, how would you classify their blend versus another blend? Like, what's the difference between a Chateau Neuf de Pop blend 
and a different and, and another one like from another another region well of the yeah world? well what, what makes them is is there a, a typical taste you can find in a chateau neuf de pop that you couldn't find in another peppery yeah pepper really comes to the forefront with a lot of chateau neuf de paps um, earthy minerally flinty yeah. uh, because of the soils the very very impoverished schist and uh, calcaceous soils that they, they plant on um, that gives it a real distinct personality mm-hmm. uh, a blend like this they do all over the world sure um especially like california they love blending shiraz and grenache australia yeah. but you put a, a an australian shiraz grenache blend up against this and okay what planet am i on now like this is not <laughs> even there's i can't find any similarities in these two wines yeah terroir makes all the difference Ah, okay. So that's what we're t- we're talking about because these same grapes are grown all around the world, mm-hmm. but it is that that dirt in this particular part of France that makes a difference. In fact, Grenache, which a lot of people are surprised, is in the top ten most planted grape variety in the world. Right. A lot of people don't know that. No. Big big grape variety in Spain. Okay. And when you see Sacha Nifta Pops on the shelf. There's what, 10, 20 different ones yeah. at any given moment. Like, how do you honestly know what you're going to find in in a bottle? By trying them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can read descriptors and stuff. It'll help. Yeah. But really, um, it all goes to what grapes they used or didn't use. Yeah. Uh, how long Did- they aged it. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, can you stand in the liquor store and read these bottles? Sure you can. And know the difference between them or is it literally you just have to pick one and randomly like we do pick and try yeah that's all you can really do yeah yeah all right now that we've tried the three wines now that we've met our three contestants (laughs) um let's try this again with food so what's the first food we got so the first one we have is um uh chicken wings Mm-hmm. And they've got a barbecue chipotle, I believe, mm-hmm. sauce on them. Yeah. Texas barbecue. Texas barbecue. Tex- sorry, but te- Texas barbecue. Completely different. Wow. Than- <laughs> <laughs> um, when I tried it, wow. Mm. Amazing. Uh, sorry. So we got back to the bubbly. Yep. So we're pairing a $100 champagne rose with the round the corner. Easy takeout chicken wings. 20 minutes, it's ready. Food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it, it completely changed the bubbly. Oh, I, um, after I tried the bubbly on its own, of course, we, we went through all the descriptors. Um, when I tried it with the chicken wing, I took a bite of chicken wing and then tried the bubbly. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the mouthfeel and everything from the champagne stayed exactly the same. No, no change, nothing. But the taste, oh, for me, it was just like, like just those fresh, fresh raspberries that you pick out in the field that aren't sweet. They're sort of sour and sweet and sour at the same time. Um, It had kind of a candied cherry taste to it. Just brought up all the beautiful red fruit. I, I, I really, really enjoy this pairing. Well, and when you said sour, it made me think of rhubarb. Like if, mm. if, if if this was to be a, like a strawberry rhubarb pie, yeah, which you certainly find around here at this time of year, yeah. where it is that that mix of sweet and tart, yeah, it's very much what this is, but yet still like somebody came and dumped sugar on it. Yeah, it <laughs> it, it really just changed the complexity in such in not a bad way at all. Um, 
I hesitated ordering like my favorite wing is hot. I love hot wings. Those are my go-to. Um, I hesitated with this because I think it would have destroyed mm. any fruit that that champagne would have had. So what is it? A Texas barbecue sauce, I guess. And, and why does it work with this champagne rosé? I think with the, the spices. So you probably, I'm guessing obviously in here, they're going to use some kind of a molasse base, uh, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Some for the sweetness and also for the consistency, uh, brown sugar, you know, that type of thing, which you constantly find cayenne pepper, I'm sure is in here yeah. uh, more than likely. And other sort of you know, barbecue spices and that kind of thing. So something fairly spicy does go with a champagne. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I know, yeah. absolutely. Where it gets tricky. Yeah. Because remember now, the, the sauce that we had on the wings that we had, had a sweetened element to it, okay? Yeah. Now, I... I'm not going to even go there about I put that shit on everything, but the Frank's Red Hot, I, I actually, <laughs> I really actually sometimes just put some on my finger and yeah, eat it like it, I do. Yes. And, oh, it does but, work, I agree. <laughs> by the way, if you're trying to lose weight yeah. and you want to cut cravings, have have a little bit of hot sauce on stuff or even just on its own uh, and it'll cut that because a lot of the cravings that you get is for sugar yes this is going in the completely the other direction sure and it works trick trick no, your brain into something yeah it doesn't work forever no. or uh, every single time but it does work <laughs> and i think in a case like where with frank's or those type of really hotter type sauces i think there the cayenne takes over from any possible sweetness and that could be quite a deterrent for the flavor of the champagne ah. that'll kill any fruit that's in there yeah you can still drink it yeah you can still enjoy it yeah but it's not going to do anything like what this has done okay. um honey garlic too by the way ah, would be nice. fun to try yep. very cool okay back to the pinot grigio hello uh, pinot grigio yes, hello i remember you and now we've got some food so what are we pairing with the pinot grigio so the pinot grigio what we're going to do here uh we're going to do a, a double threat match um, it's a, it's a chicken, a grilled, a grilled chicken Caesar salad. And what we're going to do is we're going to try. Pinot Grigio doesn't taste like much. No, it doesn't. After right? going back, yeah, after those, yeah. those wings. And the that, wings yeah. and champagne, and yeah. now we're going to Pinot Grigio. So just a sip of it. Yeah, the Pinot's gone. As a professional, I should have thought this one out a little bit better. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so now uh, I just tried. Uh, the grilled chicken Caesar without dressing, just yeah. on its own. Uh, nice, refreshing, beautiful, excellent, excellent salad to have, especially in the summertime when it's nice and hot. Sure. You go outside, grill up a couple of chicken breasts, throw in your romaine lettuce, et cetera, et cetera, whatever else you put in there. Yeah. Um, it was. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. It came out crisp. It clean, came out clean. The, the wine didn't really add that much to it but it did not not add to it it, it just it was there mm -hmm. the two of them were in excellent excellent balance now what i'm gonna do is i'm now gonna try it oh with, yeah yeah you're really right yeah um and that's something about romaine lettuce and grilled chicken yeah um how much little, how much simpler is that and a little bit of cheese which just happened to be in that bite uh and the pinot grigio got uh almost a lemony it's all you want. That's mm. all you're looking for. Now, 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 put put yourself in a situation again. Hot, mm. hot, heavy, sticky weather. Mm. You're looking for something light, crisp, 
clean. Here we go. We're we're right on track here now. Uh-huh. Now what we're gonna do Uh-oh. is we're gonna do the same sort of experiment, but we're gonna try it with. Mm, I still can't believe how good that tastes. There you go. Yeah. You'd, you'd actually think we knew what we were doing after all these years. <laughs> now, I'm trying it now. The same, same concoction, yeah. but with the Caesar salad dressing. <laughs> so, obviously, it has changed dramatically. Not even close to the same thing. I'm going to try it with a little sip of wine. Mm-hmm. The Caesar salad... Garlicky, garlicky, creamy. creamy. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Pinot got super lemony. It's like drinking a glass. No offense to the producer, but a lemon water, a refreshing mm. <laughs> glass of ice cold lemon water you get at a, a bar, or a restaurant, or make yourself because it's so easy to make. What do you think? And then the Caesar dressing comes back. If you wait about a minute or so. It's oh, yeah. It the dressing comes right back, back right? Yeah. yeah. Lemon water. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking now, now I almost want to put like a couple of ice cubes into this yeah. glass. Yeah. And really get this colder. At nine bucks, why not? <laughs> put, put a bag of ice if you want to. <laughs> Make a slushy, for God's sakes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't taste like wine anymore. No. I don't know what it tastes refreshing, like. Refreshing, though? Yes, yeah, very refreshing. Clean? Yeah. What we wanted, what we said it was going to be, and then surprise, Alakazam, that's exactly <laughs> what it turned out to be. Now, we've heard in the past that uh, garlic is a tough thing to pair with. Mm, garlic is a killer. Mm. Just killer. My go-to, usually, if I'm going to have a Caesar salad or anything like very garlicky, like escargot, mm-hmm. another one, <laughs> Um or even uh, people love uh, lemon lemon garlic shrimp as an app. A yes. lot of people go with yeah. that and calamari mm-hmm. and, you know, different things like that. Fishy. Um, personally, the two things, three things that I like to go to, always sparkling like a nice Prosecco. Sure. Works great as a palate cleanser. Yep. Number two, high acid wine. So something like... Um, uh, a Sauvignon Blanc works very, very well. That's what I always assume. Yeah. And you know what? A nice Pinot Grigio, like what we're having right now, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to kill the garlic, but it's definitely going to give you a nice, fresh, refreshed palate uh, while you're moving into your next and final courses. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's looking forward to the big finish. So back to our old buddy Chateau Neuf de Pop mm. and uh, Chateau Neuf de Pizza. Chateau Neuf de Pizza. <laughs> TM. <laughs> yep. the, the wine has been sitting here for a while. We've yep. tried a couple of other things. Has it changed before we even get to our meat lover's pizza? Yeah. On the, on the nose, I get less pepper and a little bit more fruit. Yeah, like a sour, pepper's sour, gone, yeah. a sour... Sour cherry, rhubarb, eating that raw rhubarb there. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh out of the garden, rhubarb. <laughs> On the palate. Man, oh man, the pepper came back big time. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so now we're going to try that. Tone down, though, like... I think 
That that garlic we just had with the Caesar yeah. salad has toned down the Chateau Neuf de Pop. Garlic's gonna do that. Yeah. Garlic is like the Muay Thai fighter <laughs> condiment out there. It's just gonna beat up on anybody and anything that comes in its way. <laughs> and more than often than not, it's gonna win. Oh yes, that'll happen. Um, so. Th- with our pizza, yep. again, it's a meat lovers. It's got uh, sausage, uh, bacon. Um, what else we got on there? Salami, I think. Yep. Pepperoni. Um, so, you know, a traditional meat lovers pizza. Then salty a, meat. So a lot of salty cured meats. A yep. lot of salty cured meats like you'd get in a charcuterie board. Yep. Right? Um, the cheese isn't a big factor here. That I'm seeing some, but it's not one of those overly cheesy style pizza. Um, tomato sauce... A little bit. A little bit of, you're going to get there sort of a, tomato sauce on pizza generally has a bit of a sweetness to it, Mm -hmm. which kind of counterbalances some of that salty cured meat. Right. Now with the the Chateau Neuf du Pape, um, the emphasis I think here, what's going to happen is you're going to get a lot more peppery, earthy, flinty notes to the wine as opposed to fruit notes. Hmm. And that's not a bad thing because that's what you're looking for in your Chateau Neuf-du-Pap. You're not drinking, uh, you know, a big lushy Merlot or a big uh, Australian Shiraz with all that, you know, stewed berries. It's not that type of wine at all. No, no, not at At all. all. And this Meat Lover's Pizza has toned down the Chateau Neuf-du-Pap. Yeah, okay. It's... It's become deliciously warm and in, <laughs> inviting and friendly, but I'm, uh, I get the pepper, but I don't get much of the other nuances that I got earlier on. So the fruit sort of subsides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, the, again, with the salt and the cured meats, that's going to happen. Uh, if you went, if we had got a pizza, for example, that if they had put onions on it and pineapple, sweet, sweeter type yeah. things on it, uh, then all of a sudden, usually the Chateau Neuf du Pape gets a little fruitier. Mm. on your palate but with this again the salty meats and the tomato sauce and everything you're gonna get more again of those earth qualities that you look for in a chateau neuf well and uh, a fruit quality and a warming sort of beautiful mellow you just sort of sit here and and drink it Uh, and in many ways i think don't we know that the chateau neuf de pop was built for salty meats. Oh, absolutely. Because in yeah. France, hundreds of years ago, that's what they had. Think of when you're, I remember years and years and years ago when I was taking my sommelier courses and a teacher I had at the time used to tell me, well, one of the greatest indications to a style of wine is what's the signature disc that comes out of that area of the world. For example, if you're in... Um, in Italy, mm-hmm. where they're making Parmigiano Reggiano, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're looking at, wow, there, there's Amarone, right? You know, there's uh, Rapasos, there's all these styles of wine. Well, and 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 cured meats there, of course, sure. salamis, like you know, and they realize, okay, well, we've got to make a style of wine that's going to complement what we're eating on a daily basis. Which I think you you probably just happen to make naturally. Like, it's not that you set out to make it. It's just over time. This works. Yeah, yeah this works. Yeah. Uh, let's, this is good. Let's do it again. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the way that it goes. And, yeah. and you end up with something that has been refined over decades and over generations because they had the time to figure it out. Yeah, and the, and the producers. And see, and that's part of the... The, the magic of wine is that a lot of areas in the world 
are not trying to reinvent the wheel. They stick to what they do because it's been tried and true for that many years, and that's what they're going to stay with. That's why when they refer to old world wines, where you know areas like France, it's not to say that there aren't producers that are trying different things, mm. but by and large, most of the the wine producers are sticking to a blueprint that's worked for them for all those years. Right. Whereas, let's go to a place I love to go, California, yep. where you know. You go, you go down a couple of streets and there's like 20 winemakers and they're all making Cabernet Sauvignon and you can't tell from one vineyard to another. You can't say, oh, that tasted like uh, Joel Jimmy Bob's there from two wineries <laughs> ago. What did you do to yours? Oh, we did this and we added that and we tried this new technique with, and our computers told us to do, which is fine too. Sure. It's, it's, a, it's, it's great. God bless you because I love tasting them. Yep. But... This style, again, going back to your original question, Chateau Neuf-Zupap, this is what it should taste like. Which, of course, is why we love it so much. Um, <laughs> so uh, we've been trying the Chateau Neuf-Zupap with the Meat Lover's Pizza, mm -hmm. but there's some other foods on the table. So before we wrap this up, what's something else we should try it with? You know what? Let's try it just for fun with the, the chicken wing. Okay. Let's do it with the chicken wing. So this was with the... the barbecue, the barbecue Texas, Texas barbecue. Texas something yeah, or other. Yeah. <laughs> Something magical happened there. Oh, wow. <laughs> Big bite of the chicken wing. Oh. And then uh, into the Chateau Neuf de Pop. Okay, I like that better than the Meat Lover's yeah. Pizza. Had, you know, I uh, I got to agree with you. I, 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 wow. I mean, it was black and white pepper all mm -hmm. over the place. And what I liked was I, I didn't go hunting for fruit. I wasn't looking for fruit. I like the fact that the Chipotle or the, the Texas barbecue wing is still there on the finish. Yes. It's there and the wine's gone now. Yeah. On the palate, the wine was taken over everything and then swallowed the wine. And then all of a sudden, the little, <laughs> the little chicken came chicken right, back, back, right back. Well, it was weird with, with the meat lover's pizza, it just sort of made the wine warm yeah and and lovely and warm and yeah. a big hug yeah. <laughs> um with the chicken wings the the made the wine fruity yeah and 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 like i said and then like now that it's been a minute or two i'm tasting the chipotle not the wine yeah i'm gonna have to go back and try more wine. i'm gonna have to <laughs> i don't want to i have to <laughs> we've got a whole bottle hey you can't go until it's done oh yeah it just it brought out all those, you know. If, if you're if you're if you're someone out there that's studying wine, mm -hmm. and a lot of people have a real hard time with the concept of what is terroir, what does that mean? And it's tough. I had a real hard time with that at the beginning too. Mm. Um, this is a great experiment to do to get a cause and effect. That's the word I was looking for before. I knew it would come back eventually. Just needed more wine. Um, the cause and effect here has an, a reaction where if you, you have a, you're having a hard time getting flintiness or minerality out of your wine or mm -hmm. when they say that, because those terms come out all the time, and earthiness and terroir. This is a great experiment because mm. just that, that that chicken wing just brings it all out right to the front of your palate. Mm. And you remember that taste and that feel that you have on your palate. And later on when you're trying wines, 
you'll remember that and that'll come back and you'll be able to say oh wow there's that minerality that they talk about there's that flintiness that wet stone that i always hear yeah, about. yeah there it is yeah you know yeah yeah I'll so go it. try them all and I'll keep trying them until yeah. it all works out yeah. <laughs> all right we'll stop here before we screw it up uh paul carrier thank you you're welcome dave be sure to check out the other episodes of the paul's picks podcast yeah yeah